0: Zach, if you could get that door, please. Okay. And just like that, this traveler found himself in that place that he didn't imagine that he would ever be. He was sitting down as he journeyed, and he got to that place. He lived that place that he called home for many years and now he is trying to head back to another place that he first called home. And he is in the middle. He has not reached his destination. And he can he's in a place where he cannot go back. And just like that, the traveler finds himself in a no man's land. Before arriving in this place called no man's land, we need to... Review what all took place so that you could find yourself in this strange land, in this strange space. You can't go back. You're not quite arrived where you need to be. Have you ever been in that place before? You left somewhere and you're not quite sure that you have arrived where you needed to be. You're not sure what is in store for you as you journey into the future and you sit at night wondering what is going to happen. Friends, this liminal space, if you ever sat in this space, if you ever sat in this space, it is a difficult space to be in. It is a challenging place to say the least because you are just sitting in that space. You can't go back. You can't fast forward time to know exactly what the future might hold for you. And you find yourself in that space and you sit up all night wondering what the future might hold for you. Maybe you're sitting in that space right now as you think about your job as to what that's going to look like maybe about your health or it could be a major event that happened in your own life that put you on a trajectory and forced you into this space as you wait to figure out the next steps this place friends is a lonely place even though you're surrounded with people and those that you love It is a lonely place because only you are not sure what the future might be for you. I think it's an important question to ask ourselves as to how this individual got to where he is at this point. How did he get to this place where he's sitting by himself at night in this space where he's not arrived and he can't go back? He can't go back to his past, and his future is completely unknown. How did this traveler get to this space? A few weeks ago, we looked at the story of this traveler. His name is Jacob. He took his first travel story, and now we're going to be talking about his second travel story. We saw the story of Jacob unfold. Jacob had a twin brother. His brother's name was Esau. He was, him and Jacob were born to two parents, Rebekah and Isaac. And these twins, Isaac and Jacob, Esau and Jacob, they were completely different. They couldn't be more different from one another Esau was an outdoorsman he loved to hunt he was out there and he lived outside Jacob on the other hand he had a different set of skills he could be compared to a modern day con man could be called a hustler have you ever met somebody like that that was smiling a grin on their face and they know To say the right words so that they can deceive you of your money or whatever you have. Have you met anybody like that? Yes. I worked with a few teenagers like that. They are so good. They have a smile on their face. They say the right things and they are hustling you. Right? That's what Jacob was. His whole life was filled with manipulating others so that he could get what he wanted to get. He was always in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing so that he can cheat anyone who crosses his path. That's who Jacob was. That's who he was. He was a good con man. This is how Jacob grew up. This is all Jacob knew to do. But the ultimate heist that Jacob pulled off was tricking his own father. He tricked his father to give him a blessing that was rightfully his brother's. You know what the worst part about Jacob's heist was? He did this to his father who was blind. Just imagine, just imagine what it would take for you and me to pull a heist, to pull a heist over someone who's disabled in their old age, right? You need to lose a part of your soul. And he... Jacob did that to his own father. The father who cared for him as a child, who raised him. Jacob didn't think twice about deceiving him and taking something that didn't belong to him. That's what Jacob did. The ultimate heist. The ultimate job. Jacob did this with the help of his mother. That's a whole other story. See, the problem when you deceive somebody and take that which is rightfully somebody else's, is the person who lost it usually comes after you. And here Esau was going to come after Jacob because he knows that Jacob stole that which was rightfully his. And that's what led Jacob to flee his home. That's what led Jacob to run away from what he called home. That's what led Jacob to run away from his mom and his dad, from Isaac and Rebekah. And a few weeks ago, we saw of the story of Jacob running away. And he comes to a place that he called Bethel, meaning that he encountered God. He had a vision where he saw a ladder, that was going up into the heavens and angels were descending and ascending into heaven and Jacob didn't quite fully comprehend the meaning of that vision that he saw, the dream that he had, the dream that he had was fulfilled to the life of Jesus. Where God restored the broken humanity through his son, Jesus Christ, who was incarnate and came into this world. So that you and I can have a relationship with the God Almighty. That is what Jacob saw on that day. But the Jacob, the story of that story doesn't just end there. But God actually talks to Jacob. And he tells Jacob, I am the God of Abraham and Sarah. I am the God of your forefathers and foremothers who've gone before you. I am the God of Isaac and Rebekah. I am the living God and I will bless you. And I will pour out many, many blessings to you. That was the promise given to Jacob on that night. See, Jacob was not given those blessings because of his behavior, clearly. Clearly. The man deceived his own father in his old age while he was blind. But rather, God blessed him because of God's unconditional love for him. Jacob leaves that, that place where he dreamt, calls it Bethel, and heads to the house of Laban. Laban is a native a relative of Rebekah, and he's living in the land of Haran. And there... Upon his arrival in this new place, Jacob, um, in Genesis 29, encounters Rachel. And the authors of Genesis actually describe Rachel, that she was pretty, that she was beautiful. And they say that she had another sister, and her sister had a weak eye. I don't really know why the author felt the need to include that, but just to let you know that Rachel was pretty, And that Jacob uh, fell in love with Rachel. Laban and Jacob come together to make a deal. They come together to say, okay, how do we move forward? And Jacob here is in love with his daughter. And he comes to Laban and says, I have a proposal for you. I will marry your daughter. But before you give your daughter in marriage for me, I will work for you for seven years seven years free labor and i will marry rachel the deal was struck and jacob worked for seven years and finally the day arrived and laban rachel's father his father-in-law-to-be tricks him and Mary's, and jacob ends up marrying leah and not the woman he loved rachel Jacob encounters another con man. That's his father-in-law. And then they both talk again and say, and Jacob says, hey, you deceived me. He knows a thing or two about deception, right? He says, you deceived me. And Laban comes up with another idea. He says, hey, why don't you work for me for another seven years? Free of cost. And I will give you my next daughter, Rachel. Right? Sounds like a good deal. I've got two daughters. Imagine 14 years of free labor. I think I can live with that. (laughs) Imagine taking somebody's income for 14 years. I can retire in peace. that's That's what he does. So finally, he does that, and he marries Rachel. After all these years of labor, finally, Jacob is on the trajectory to change his life. He works hard. He cares for livestock. And then he goes back to his father-in-law and says, I've worked for you for 14 years. Now I need to care for my own family. I need to care for my wives that you've given me. Find me a way so that I can earn my own possessions. And they both strike a deal. Laban and Jacob. Remember when I talked about that dream that Jacob had in the wilderness? in a place called Bethel, there God said, I will bless you. I will bless you immensely was a promise given to Jacob. And now those blessings are coming true. Because whatever Jacob draws, God blesses. Yes, Jacob is working hard. He's changing his life around. And God continues to bless Jacob. And he blesses Jacob so much that the blessings outpour not only to Jacob's life, but they actually bless Laban's family as well. And Jacob at one point says, before I got here, you didn't have much, but the God of my forefathers blessed me and cared for me. And indeed, he's blessing you as well. And here is an interaction that takes place between Jacob and his father-in-law. Reading from Genesis 31. I'm starting at verse um, 38. This is what Jacob is saying at the end of his journey. This is how he's reflecting how hard he worked for Laban, who has deceived Jacob over and over again. Hear these words. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and your goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten from your flocks. I did not bring your animals stoned by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payments from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night. Sleep fled from my eyes. It was like for 20 years, I was in your household and I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times, 10 different times Laban tried to deceive Jacob, 10 different times, 10 times you've changed it. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac has not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. For 20 years, for 20 years, Jacob worked for Laban. And 10 times, his wages were changed and deceived. And yet, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, and Isaac and Sarah and Rebecca was continually blessing Jacob for all his hardship. For all his hardship. Here Jacob at this point, 20 years later, he no longer is a hustler. He no longer is a con man, but he is a hard-working man. And he has experienced firsthand what it means to be deceived by another And now we find Jacob sitting by himself after 20 years. Sitting by himself at night, wondering what lies ahead of him. He's sitting there, thinking about the past 20 years, recounting how God has blessed him. read that when Jacob crossed the Jordan he didn't have anything when we read about the dream that he had where he saw the angels coming up and down in a ladder he didn't have anything and now Jacob is about to go back to the land that he flee from and look what he has look what he has in one camp he has all these possessions 200 female goats 20 male goats 200 rams, 30 female camels, and their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. And he put them all under the care of servants. Not only does he have livestock, but he has servants that he owns. His life has changed. God has blessed this man immensely. Those are his possessions, but God has given him something else as well. He has given him two wives and concubines and 11 children. Friends, yet we see Jacob sitting in the dark, terrified. Terrified of what awaits him in the morning. Because he's going to encounter Esau, his brother. And Jacob is afraid what Esau is going to do to him. Jacob is afraid how Esau is going to avenge for him. So much has changed for Jacob for the past 20 years. He has learned his lessons and he's become a family man. He has learned the price of deception. How it makes you feel to be on the receiving end. But yet, Jacob... Tonight, sits afraid, wondering what is ahead of him. There is this internal struggle that Jacob is facing. In that moment, I would say that Jacob is dealing with what we call imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome means what you think about yourself. That you're no good. That you think all that you've accomplished is not really that great. On the outset, Jacob is a family man. He has done well for himself. He has servants and livestock. He has wives, camels and donkeys and bulls. Eleven children. Yet Jacob doesn't see all that he accomplished. Friends, I mentioned earlier, heading into the unknown is difficult. One of the reasons it's difficult for Jacob is because how Jacob views himself was different. The way Jacob saw himself was not the same way that you and I would see Jacob with all his possessions and his family. The way Jacob saw himself while he sat by himself, the way he saw his identity is as the one who deceived his brother. That is how Jacob viewed himself. He saw himself that night that he not only deceived his father, not only did he deceive his brother, but he deceived his disabled father who was blind. That night, Jacob saw himself not worthy of any of the blessings that he had received. He sees himself as a fraud, Despite all the changes that have taken place in his life, in that dark moment, Jacob sees himself as a fraud. That is the imposter syndrome. And that night, Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob is determined to say, the God who took him across from Jordan to a foreign land, the God who blessed him, When he was working at Laban, Jacob is unwilling to let go of God until he changes the way Jacob sees himself. And that night, Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob wrestles with God all night, saying, I cannot see myself this way. And God asks him the simple question, what is your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. Implying that he sees himself as a fraud, as the one who deceived those around him. And God looks at him and he says, I will call you Israel. I will call you a new name. I will call you blessed. You no longer are a fraud. Jacob is no longer associated with his past, but his future Is going to be different because God gave him a new name and called him Israel. Friends, this morning, I want to reflect on what names we call ourselves in the dark of the night when we sit by ourselves. Do we identify with Jacob by calling ourselves weak, stupid, ugly, deceitful, sinner? If only others knew what was in my heart. How do we talk to ourselves when no one's hearing? Friends, I want to ask you this question. What name do you call yourself? What name do you call yourself? And I want to remind you that today, God wants to give you a new name. God wants to give you a new name, and it is called blessed, and it is called beloved. God wants to give you a new identity. That's what he did. Jacob, and he wrestled all night. And today, God wants to give you a new name. So whatever the future that you are terrified for, all the unknown aspects of the future, I want you to know that God looks at you and he says that you are blessed. You are blessed. and You are God's beloved. There's no need to sit in fear. I guess God's grace is going to be given to you. This morning, friends, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. We believe that God's grace is given to us every time we partake in the taking of the bread and drinking of the cup. God's grace is given to each one of us. God is giving you grace today. God is giving you grace a new identity today. Friends, are you willing to receive this beautiful gift from our God? If you are, I want to encourage you to come to the table just as you are and know that God is giving you a new name that is blessed, healed, beloved. That is the name that God is giving you this day. May you come forward and be part of this grace that can only be given by our God. Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you for all the ways that you bless us and you keep us. That you give us new names. That you call us blessed. That you call us beloved. Not because of what we've done, but because of who you are commit ourselves to you in your name we pray amen